Good afternoon. It's a blessing to be together again. I will say the message this afternoon is honor the king, and this is probably one that has been a little more difficult for me because it gets kind of close, steps on my toes uh, pretty hard. And I like what Dan said, I think I'll probably step on your toes, but my desire is that, uh, that God will step on your heart. It won't be me, but that God will speak to you and to your hearts today. Let's open our Bibles and read from Romans chapter 13. I want to read just a few verses there and kind of get the context of honoring the king. There's several verses here, and I think I'm going to read um, up to verse 7. Romans 13, let every soul be subject to higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but for conscience' sake. For this is for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute due or tribute to whom is tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. So I want to think about honoring the king. I think this is an area, perhaps, that might be far too casual with some of us. We talked about honoring God. Yes, we all know we need to honor God. We talked about honoring parents. Yes, we all need to honor our parents. But we're wanting to think specifically about honoring the king, honoring our authorities, honoring our civil authorities. Peter says this in 1 Peter 2.17, very short verse, but is has a lot of impact. He says, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. So I want to think about this principle of honor. If you remember what I've said before, that when we honor one level of authority, what do we automatically do? We honor the ones above us. Each level above us. So we're thinking of this level of honoring the king, when we honor the king, we will also honor God. The question I think we need to come to grips with before we go too far in this, and that is this question. How close do you want to live to God? How close? What is your heart? Are you content to be, just kind of do your own thing, and kind of live a little bit distant? Or do you want a close relationship with God. And I think the fact that you're here, the fact that you pay such good attention, I know the answer. I think you all want a close relationship with God. So we have to think about if we want a close relationship with God, 
then we have to honor the king. That just, that just goes with, without saying. I think honor is a form of worship. I really appreciated uh, the thoughts about worship earlier today that Mark was sharing. Honor is a form of worship. It's a way, one way in which we can worship God is by giving him honor and by honoring the king. So when I ask some questions and explore them a little bit, what does it mean in today's terms to honor the king? What does it mean to honor the king today? And what are some ways in which we can dishonor the king? Talk about that. We need to know how we can dishonor the king. The third question is, why is, it, is this so important to our Christian life? Why is it so valuable to us? Another question is, is how does it affect my relationship with God? I alluded that, to that with the question earlier. How close do you want to live to God? But how does it affect my relationship with Him? Another question I want you to really ponder, and that is this. Do I obey because I want to honor God or because I'm afraid of the consequences? Do I, want, do I obey because I really want to honor the Lord or because I'm afraid of a consequence that these authorities may give me? We might also talk a little bit about what are the limits of my subjection to civil authorities. I think you know, but maybe we'll discuss that just a little bit. So we know the necessity of authority. I don't want to spend much time with this. Um, we know what happens when there is no authority. What happens if, if there is no king, even though the king may not be that great or the president, but what happens if there's no ruler? Anarchy, chaos. Yeah, that's what happens. And so we see an account of that in the Bible. If you just read through the book of Judges and you want to see chaos unfold, it just unfolds chapter after chapter after chapter. And I think long about the uh, 17th chapter, 6th verse, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. I mean, they could just do whatever they wanted to. There was no authority, no civil authority. So we all uh, agree that there must be governing authorities and there must be a structure. Unfortunately, in many of the kingdoms of the world that have unfolded over the centuries, is many of those kings and many of those authorities have not been very godly authorities. And this makes it very challenging sometimes to give them respect and to give them the honor that is due them because they don't deserve it. We'll talk about that. So as we're thinking about honoring the king, I'm going to kind of break this down maybe into four different categories. One is the basis of authority, how God has established their authority, the basis of authority. Number two, we'll talk about the biblical command, biblical command. Number three, the blessing there is of obedience. There's blessings in obedience. And also, briefly, the consequence of resistance. When we do resist, there are always consequences. First of all, let's talk about the basis of authority. The basis of authority is, comes from God. 
Romans 13, 1, we already read, let every soul be subject to higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. That means that the every power, and whether it be principalities, whether it's powers in the heavens or powers on earth, they're all ordained of God. God is in control of all of them, every one of them. Ecclesiastes 8.2 says, I counsel thee to keep the king's commandment, that in re- and that in regard of the oath of God. This is what Ecclesiastes says, keep the king's commandment, and that in regard to the oath of God. The oath of God. So all, all authority is ordained of God. Ordained means it's appointed. So where it says that the powers that be are ordained of God, that means that they are appointed of God, ordained of God. So we might say that every king is ordained of God. That means he's chosen of God. And you might ask, well, what about Hitler? What about Obama? What about President Trump? We've, we've seen lots of ungodly rulers. Well, I didn't see Hitler, but I mean, we know of lots of ungodly rulers in the not-too-distant past. Were they ordained of God? Yes. The Bible says that they were ordained of God. And in Daniel uh, 4.17, Nebuchadnezzar makes an observation, and I, it's very interesting what he says here. This is Nebuchadnezzar really... Uh, as he's unfolding his vision, and this just kind of comes out in it, he says in the 17th verse, 4th chapter, this matter is by decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. Basest of men, that means even the ruthless people. God sets them up. God sets them up. Jesus told Pilate, when Jesus stood before Pilate, what did he say? He said, you could have no power at all unless it was given to you from God. So even Pilate, he was was just a kitten in God's hands. God gave him the power that he had. So we know that if we have authority structures, there must be clearly defined boundaries, there must be clearly defined consequences, right? Any kingdom, any authority structure, whether it's a home, whether it's a school, whether it's a business, whether it's a country, there must be rules. I think we've already heard that before over these, this last week. There's got to be rules in a kingdom but there's got to be consequences if we don't keep the rules. And to me, it was very helpful when I had boys at our place is having those consequences clearly defined and having the rules clearly defined. There's a sense of security when all those things are defined. And in our country, I realize that there's so many rules and so many, you know, you hardly know what, what to follow, what not to. But we do know what our country expects us to follow and what they expect us to obey. 
many rules that have nothing to do with us. But boundaries are rules. They give us a sense of accountability and a sense of responsibility to, to each of us. We need to keep that in mind, that we are responsible to obey them, but they also give us a sense of freedom. When we know the rule, we know there's a sense of freedom. It's like you pull out on the highway and you kind of think, oh, no, what's the speed limit here? Is it 55? Is it 65? Is it 75? I don't know. And so there's, you're just kind of cautious until you see a speed limit sign. Once you see that, oh, I know what the rule is, right? That's just a very simple example. Once we see that, we know what we are expected to obey. So for authorities to work effectively, there must be honor. For them to, to be able to govern and be able to, to rule, there must be honor. That holds true in every authority. Now, it says here in 1 Peter 2.17, he says, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Now, the emphasis here is on honoring the king. To honor, again, we've talked about this word honor several times, but it means to esteem them highly. It means to, to, to reverence them. It means to respect them. To count as someone that's valuable. This is what it means to honor the king. And so how do we honor a president that is immoral? And how do we honor a, a, a president that is, is not trustworthy? And their character is just is terrible. Can we honor such a person like that? The Bible says that we can. And the Bible says that we need to. When Peter said that, you might think, now, well, maybe Peter doesn't know the kind of president we've got. We've got President Trump or Obama, the, the past president. He doesn't know the kind of ridiculous things that we're dealing with. But remember, who was Peter's, who was his king? Who was it? Nero. Nero was far from an angel, wasn't he? He was a ruthless, ruthless man. And yet he said that they needed to honor him. And so this goes back to when we talked about honoring parents. Why do we honor them? We honor them because we're told to, but we may have a parent that is not very honorable. We talked about we honor them because of their position, simply because of their position. It's the same way with rulers. We honor them because of their position. So just a question I'd like to, to leave with you, questions as we go through these. Uh, I forgot to bring the handout. But anyway, I do have a handout with some questions that you can, you can uh, look over. Maybe then we'll get it um, as we go through or even look at them later. But I want you to think about these questions. And again, each time I give you these questions, the purpose of this is just to give you a little bit of of self-examination of where I struggle. Maybe there's even, you struggle in areas that I don't even have questions, and that's very possible. But just think about which ones do I struggle with if I really want to honor God. So here's a question. Do I recognize that all authority is ordained of God, even those who may be ungodly? And can I see value in the position, even though I may not see moral goodness? We want to see value in their position. 
So let's talk a little bit about uh, number two, the biblical command to honor. I want to kind of break that down into three different sections, yielding to authority, respecting authority, and obeying authority, kind of three subcategories of obedience. So yielding to authority. The, this biblical mandate or the command was to honor God, honor your God and honor the king. The second one is in the form of submission and it's in this next verse, uh, Peter says, 1 Peter 2.13 says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the king's, for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme. So he's going to break this down into some categories. Okay? The first one was submitting as to the king as supreme. That, in our case, would be the president, right? Then he says, or unto governors. And so we move from national authority down to state authority, submitting ourselves unto governors, as unto, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. So to the king is supreme and to the governors, which is the next level of authority. And then I want to uh, grab a verse from Titus 3, uh, Verses 1 and 2, it says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers and to obey magistrates. Now that's the third level. So we've got national, we've got state, and then we have local laws and local rules. Do you understand? Are you following me? Okay. <clears throat> so the way that we honor, this, this principle follows through in all of our topics. The way we honor is always through submission, right? That's the way we honor an authority. That's the way we honor our parents again, was through submission. It's the same way with honoring our kings. Otherwise, it's not honor at all. If we don't submit and it's just compliance, it's not honor. So we need to remember, always remember the difference between compliance and submission. One is external, it's forced. The other one is internal. It comes from the heart. That's where submission comes from. So we want to submit in, as we honor our authorities. The question we often will, will confront, and that is this, is how do we honor when we're asked to do something that that conflicts with the Word of God. And I know we've addressed this before, but I want to just um, refer to a verse in Acts, Acts 5.28 and 5.29. Um, these, uh, the magistrates there told Peter, he says, they said, saying, uh, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And what was Peter's answer? Peter said, I don't care what you've told us. We need to obey God rather than man. And we always need to come back if we're asked to do something that is that conflicts with the word of God. We always need to come back and say, 
We need to obey God rather than man. I often think about Daniel. Daniel would have been a young man that, that faced this conflict head on, didn't he? Soon as he got taken uh, into captivity and he was brought into, into the school there uh, in Babylon, one of the first things he faced was to violate his convictions. Uh, and, and so he stood his ground. And Daniel offered a compromise uh, or an alternative. Instead of eating the king's diet, eating, eating at his table, uh, Daniel suggested an alternative. And I think that's one thing we need to think about is if we're ever called in question by our authorities and it violates a principle, if there's an alternative that we can pursue uh, that is godly, that is in according to God's word, that can be a, a, a good option. One example of that is, is simply in our selective service. You know, you, if young men are, are uh, back in the 60s and early 70s, uh, when they were drafted, or even before they were drafted, they registered for selective service, and that was an alternative to going to war. That's one example of how that is played out. Uh, they still honored the king, right? They still honored their authorities, but they were also able to honor God too. So honor and submission, just they, they go hand in hand. Um, let's see, moving on. Just a question that we can always ask ourselves, one of these ex examined questions, uh, self-examination. How well do I submit and yield to civil authorities? And then what if I'm asked to obey a law that conflicts with the law of God? Am I willing to suffer the consequences? Remember, you may be asked to do something, and I think this could be very, very, uh, we may see a lot more of this as time unfolds. You're asked to compromise, and you can't. The question is, are you willing to suffer the consequences? We need to be prepared. So as we think about respecting our authorities, and I want to suggest maybe three ways in which we can respect civil authorities. Number one, and again, kind of already touched on this, but we, we can respect them by our attitude toward them. Respecting them by our attitude toward them. Having a positive biblical attitude towards our authorities. And here's a verse, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2. It says, I exhort, therefore, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life with godliness and honesty. And here, He's exhorting us to be praying for them, to be holding them before the throne of God. Now, if we're holding somebody before the throne of God and we're sincerely praying for them, don't you think it'll be difficult to have a negative attitude toward them? You see what I'm saying? If we're holding them in esteem, holding them before God, then we need to be able to, be, we'll certainly be able to respect them in our hearts. So we need to be, begin by praying for them. If we don't like the authorities, if there's authority and, and 
I realize that you're all young here, but there may be a time you're going to, you're going to confront this. I've confronted it many times, and some of us older brethren have certainly confronted uh, times when there's a, a conflict. But this is what Romans 9.20 says. He says, Nay, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? We have to realize that they're chosen of God. And who are we to reply against them? We've got to remember that they are God-ordained. I, uh, I had an example, very vivid, in the last six months of a challenge with authorities. And as probably most of you know, we had a boys' home there for eight years. And then the authorities came in and required things of us and put standards and policies on us that were extremely difficult uh, to agree to. And uh, one of the things that they asked for was the, the qualifications of staff. They wanted to have staff that had a bachelor's degree and they wanted to have a certified teacher and they, had, they wanted things there that was not easy to obtain as, for as small as we were. We're only having four to six boys. But, you know, as I would, different people would ask me how it's going, I'd say, well, we're having some struggles with the state. And it was amazing how many people would defame them. They'd say, ah, oh, they just get in everybody's face. They're always making rules. They're, they're always causing trouble. I heard that over and over and over again. And, you know, I always tried to reply that, you know what, the people I'm dealing with are just trying to do their job. And, and they're put in place to protect children. They're put in place... Uh, so that people can't take advantage of children and do things to them that, that would be uh, dishonorable and illegal. And so they have laws. The problem comes when they have too many laws. I realize that. But I just found a real peace in my heart when I could just submit to that and not fight it and not have to, you know, to go and, and, and defame them. That's just one example that I had an opportunity very recently, just to cheerfully respect them and cheerfully obey them. But I'll say it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. It was a disappointment. <clears throat> so let's think also about ways in which we can respect them. And one of them is respecting them by our speech. Now, this may not be a big deal with you guys, but it is a big deal in the world in which we live. How many times... Just think back over the last presidential election. I don't know much about politics, and I'm not in the circles, but every now and then you'd talk to somebody, and they would be like, oh, you know, the, the two, you've got this president, Hillary over here, and Trump over here, and they're awful, they're immoral, they're just, just defaming them. And how easy it is sometimes to join in in that kind of conversation of, you know, and kind of get in that mud-slinging contest. But here's what the Bible says. It says, Ecclesiastes 10.20 says, Curse not the king. Curse not the king. No, not in thy thought. So don't even think about how bad they are. They really don't affect you for the most part. And, and don't curse them. Do not curse the rich in thy bedchamber. He says, for a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which uh, hath wings shall tell the matter. You never know where it's going to spread. Not only that, 
What a bad example it is for Christians to be joining in to defaming civil authorities. It doesn't solve the problems. We can solve the problem, or we can at least bring it before the Lord in prayer rather than joining in negative conversation. And you know, you might have an opportunity to be with somebody and that is doing that. And you can speak in a positive way. Well, the Bible says we're to uphold our authorities. So we want to be cautious in that area. Paul tells Titus, he says, uh, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. That's Titus 3.2. So we've already kind of alluded about respecting them through prayer, but just again, want to emphasize, we can, we can show them the highest respect by being on our knees. Again, that was 1 Timothy 2. One through two. Prayers and intercessions, giving of thanks to those in authority. So we need to examine what is my attitude toward laws or rules that seem unreasonable. You're going to have them. There'll be laws that seem very ridiculous. What's my attitude toward them? Kind of like I had to face. Their law was ridiculous. Why would they require somebody to have a, a degree to do what I was doing for four boys or half a dozen boys. Just because they have a degree, does that mean they know what they're doing? You know, there's all kinds of things, directions or, or avenues you can go down. But it doesn't matter. What's my attitude toward rules that seem unreasonable? Do I ever find myself joining in on the mudslinging? And again, this applies to all, all areas of our authorities, parents, Elders, leaders, whoever. So I'm going to share a few practical reasons to obey. Some practical reasons why we should obey. Titus, again, 3, 1 and 2 says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. I want to camp on that a little bit. One of the practical reasons to submit to our authorities, to our civil authorities, is to be ready so we can be available for every good work. I think this means just doing the right thing in our behavior, in our communities. I think that it can mean being proactive in serving the homeless and helping out in, in disaster response areas. What a tremendous witness that is to the government and to our civil authorities. And to the policemen, when they see sisters and they see brothers out there helping and repairing homes and, or, or serving in a, in a soup kitchen, that's a tremendous way in which we can, can show respect and a, certainly a good reason to obey. Remember, he says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready for every good work gives us a tremendous opportunity to evangelize and witness. We already read Romans 13. I want to read that third verse again. He says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then be afraid of the power? He says, Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. So in other words, if we do good works in the presence of our communities, for our magistrates, 
for our civil authorities, it says here that we'll receive praise of the same. They will bless us. You know, some in our community, the um, some of the Mennonites there, uh, you know, they have these signs as you go along the road, and this area is is kept clean by certain Mennonite communities. And I mean, that's just another idea, another way in which people, Christians, can be a wonderful testimony to civil authorities. Then he says that in the fourth, in the fourth verse of Romans 13, he says, For the minister of God, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon them that doeth evil. So we have to remember that that rulers are a terror to good works. What he's saying here is if you're doing the right thing, if you're obeying the laws, you have nothing to fear. Now I realize in some countries where they're persecuting Christians, that's different. But we're talking about in America. For the most part, if we're compliant with the rules, we have nothing to fear. A good example of that is if I'm driving down the road and it's a 55 mile an hour speed limit and I'm right on 50, my cruise is on 55, I know what I'm at. And I pass an officer, I just glance, and I keep on going. I'm not watching my rear rear mirror thinking, oh, I wonder if those lights are going to, if he's going to pull them behind me. That's just an example of we don't have to fear. They're only a terror to the, to the lawbreakers, right? It's to the people that are breaking the law that have got to worry. They're the ones that are always looking on their backside, trying to figure out whether they're being followed or not. Also think about how laws are for our protection. Therefore, the well-being of the subjects in mind, even like these child protection laws I didn't like, yet they do protect some children if they weren't in place. So what may have been a, a real restriction and hindrance to me could maybe be a blessing to another, another home over here that could, where children could be taken advantage of. So they are, certainly can be a blessing So rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Um, Proverbs 16, 14 says, The wrath of a king is as messengers of death. So the wrath of the king can be pretty bad. There's a lot of people who get in trouble because they, they break the law. But a wise man will pacify it, he says. Proverbs 19, 12 says, The king's wrath here it says he says a roaring of a lion. But then he goes on and he says, but his favor is as dew upon the grass. So a couple reasons why we want to avoid the, the, the wrath of the king is first of all, it keeps us out of trouble. We avoid his, his anger, the roaring of the lion. But the other reason is we want to obey for conscience sake. Obey for conscience sake. And here in Romans 13, 5, he says, Wherefore must ye needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. So we want to be subject to the laws of the king, our civil laws. We're going to talk about some of those more specifically in a minute. But for a conscience sake, so that we can have a clear conscience before God. I know that I'm obeying the, the laws I'm, I'm, I'm told to keep. I can have a clear conscience. When I pray to God, I can, I can feel 
But I'm clear with him because I'm clear with my authorities. So we want to examine again the question, what, is, what are the motives behind my obedience? What are the motives? Think about that. Uh, is it fear of getting caught? Is that my motive? Or is it the fear of God? Another question to think about is, how does your conscience feel when you're breaking the law? Do you feel that little twinge sometimes when you're breaking the law just a little bit? Maybe you're kind of thinking, oh, what, what laws am I breaking? Well, we'll talk about those in a minute. But we need to, to seriously think about what's motivating my obedience. So let's share a few practical ways in which we can obey. Um, he says, again, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Now, what is, what is, Brandon, what does every mean? What does every mean to you? Is there some exceptions in there? Nothing left out. Nothing left out. Very good. So when he says submit to every ordinance, what's an ordinance? A law. So submit yourselves to every, which means none left out, every law of man. Why? Why do we do it? He says, again, for the Lord's sake, it's not so... Not so I won't get a ticket. It's for the Lord's sake. It's for God's glory. Again, he says, whether it be the king is supreme, national, or whether it be governors, state, or whether it be unto them that are sent unto them for the punishment of evildoers, that's the, the policemen or the judges. So every level of authority. <clears throat> so we, we've established we need to submit to all of them. So here's a few that maybe are a little more challenging. Um, well, let me just ask you, um, what are some civil laws we should obey? Kelsey, what's a civil law we should obey? Speed limit would be one. Um, any one of the other girls? Janelle? Another one? That's right. That would be another one. There are several more. Anybody over here? Other civil laws? Hunting Jason? Regulations. Hunting regulations? Yeah. And that can get kind of close because what if, if the actual legal shooting time is 5.30 and I see the biggest buck I've ever seen at 5.33 or 2? You know, well, submit every law. That's what he's saying here. So yeah, there's there's lots of different ones. You've mentioned some good ones: traffic laws, hunting laws, um, tax laws. We'll talk about some of those. But just think about for a moment: how safe would you feel if there was no speed limit? What would that be like? We're going to head to Seattle, and if there was no speed limit, how would you feel about that? Did you feel very safe? Apprehensive. Apprehensive. Well, okay, there's a speed limit. It's 70, I don't know what it is, 70 miles an hour maybe. I haven't been on that direction for a while. So it's 70, but what if there was no consequences for the speed limit? Would that feel very good? Would it? David? I've been to Germany, and there's no speed limit there, so I'm a little 
But would that feel very good? I mean, if there's no speed limit, would that be safe? Probably not. You're right. Probably not. So let's think about where you draw the line. Let's, let's picture Go-Getter again. He got off work at his, at, his, uh, at his gas station, and he's headed home, and the speed limit is 60 miles an hour. And Go-Getter jumps in his car, and he sets his cruise to, to 65, and he's, he, he's allowed five over, right? And so he's headed down the road, going 65 miles an hour. And all of a sudden, his, uh, by the way, there's a, a, a no cell phone. It's a hands-off law there. But a cell phone buzzes. Somebody's calling him. And he picks up his phone. Oh, he sees who's, oh, I've I got to get that call. So he gets that call. Or maybe he needs to send a text real quick. He just thought of something. He needs to text somebody. You see, what happens is we live in a society where... And we've just kind of grown up used to thinking that we can fudge a little bit here and there. And I was, as I'm preparing for this message, was thinking about this as I was driving over here. I've been very conscious of it over the last few weeks. But I got in the car and I set the cruise at 70 miles an hour. I really wasn't in a hurry. But you know what? I'm always tempted when I go from Ellensburg to, to Idaho or back and forth, I'm just tempted to go five minutes over, five over. That's just kind of like what we're allowed, you know? And I thought, now why should I do it? First of all, I'm not in that big a hurry. I mean, it, that isn't a reason anyway, but that's sometimes the motivation. We're in a hurry. But I just decided, no, nope, 70, I'm going to put that thing right on the 70 and stay there. And let me just tell you, you've got to try this, because there is a real peace, and maybe you all do this anyway, but, but there is a real peace in saying, I'm setting it at 70 to honor God. I know I'm allowed five over, but five over, does that honor God? No, it doesn't. And so if I want to honor God, I've got to leave that thing on the 70. And then on the way over, my phone rang. And I, I, was, I want to make a call. You see, it's just so easy to think, oh, we're way out here in the freeway. Who's going to see me? Who would see me? God would. Obviously, he would. Yeah. I like, you know, it's one thing about Mexico. They have a very, very creative way of keeping the speed limit. Anybody know how, how that works? Speed bumps. Topes, or I don't know, whatever they call them. I don't speak good Spanish, but yeah, you're going down the road, and, and some of them are marked, and some of them aren't. And sometimes you're going along about 50 or 60 miles an hour, and you see one too late, and you hit the brakes. <laughs> but you know, it's amazing how they have them strategically placed to control speed. So they really don't need speed laws there. I mean, they can get by without it. You can go as fast as you want to in the straightaway, but. When you get to the little village where there may be people crossing, they'll have a to pay there, and it slows you down. Very effective. But anyway, we want to be law-abiding citizens. And so I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you as you leave here to think about, does this make sense? Before I get ready to leave on my journey, 
when we come to Idaho, from Idaho to here, Danelle and I have a practice of always, we hold hands and we bow our head, Lord, protect us. Keep us in your care as we travel. Put your angels around us. And we jump in the car and we hit that thing and we get five minute, five over, or maybe 10 over if we're in a real hurry, whatever. Does that make sense? You see that it's kind of like a oxymoron. It just, it, it's, it doesn't make sense at all. It's, they're diametrically opposed. Asking God, please bless my travels while I go five miles an hour over the speed limit. <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. Okay, I'm going to move on. I'm going to talk about a few more. Uh, you have the questions on there. I won't hit it again. But what about like building codes? And you mentioned, I really appreciate Jason, you mentioned the one about the game codes, laws, game laws. Um, okay, I had a boy tell me one time, his dad was a trucker. And uh, I forget how we got in the conversation, but he said, my dad keeps two log books. Oh, really? Why is that? Well, he said, because you're only allowed to drive so many hours a day, and, and then, you know, you got to log that time. But I don't know how the two log books work, but the point was he logged part of his time in one book that he would have showed the, the authorities if he was pulled over, if he went to a way station, and they would have asked to see his log book, he would have gave them the good one. He had another log book maybe that had his other time in it. He had two log books. And I asked him, I says, now why would he do that? Well, it's just, you just you can't make a living trucking without you know just just by driving the amount of hours it's required. So what would you do if that was the case? You couldn't make a living, and you had to break the law doing it. Would that be a good occupation? No. It'd be time to find another job, wouldn't it? Just one example how it's so. Easy to rationalize. Well, they make these laws, but yeah, those are for other people. They're not for us. <clears throat> Let's think a little bit about tax laws. Now, you may not have to deal with this as much as, as some of us, but he, he just says, render to Caesar all their dues. All their dues. Now, how much is all? Is there anything left out of all, Janelle? No. Everything. So render to Caesar all their dues. And that might include even the $20 tip that you get. Or here's another area that, that can affect us. You know, sometimes, you know, we may drive to another state to avoid sales tax. So we can bring that thing back over here. And our state in Idaho requires that we, we pay sales tax on that item. But you see, a lot of people can get by with it because there's no way for them to account for it all. Just another example of honoring the tax laws. It says, render to them all their dues. Cash deals. I've been, over the years, been offered, uh, a, you know, if, if I'll pay them cash, well, yeah, if I pay them cash, they won't report it, and, and they can be able to give me a better deal. And I refuse those, because if I get a better deal because I pay cash so they don't have to report it, it's like I'm assisting them in breaking the law. All of these are just little things, but, but not only do little things matter. I mean, do they matter? Yeah, they do. They matter to God. Little things matter to God. <clears throat> you wouldn't want your, your pilot that you were flying with across the country to have a, a little drink on his way, you know, just a little one. No, you wouldn't. I mean, a drink of 
whiskey or whatever, bad stuff. So there's lots of areas where this gets close to us. <clears throat> so I want to think just a little bit about the consequences of resistance. And obviously he says that in the second verse, whoever resists the power, resists the laws of God, and they will receive greater damnation. Um, but so, yeah, we'll receive a ticket, we'll receive greater damnation. But I just think about the, the bad rap that we give God. And here, let me go back to the speed limit thing, okay, again. Let's say that you've got a car load. You've got uh, uh, maybe landed and Canton in a car, and, and you guys are headed somewhere, and, and maybe there's a couple of girls, maybe there's a car load of young folks who are going somewhere, okay? And so we've got sisters in there, we've got brethren, and they're heading down, and they set that thing about five or seven minutes, seven mile an hour over, and phew, go past other cars. And, and these cars that seeing these girls go by with, Coverings on and and wonder about this. Is this what kind of a testimony are we trying to portray to Christ? So we need to think about how we dishonor God. The other thing is we set a bad example. Uh, you know, if we're if we're if we're speeding and we got other people in the car, you know, we're setting a bad example for them, for whoever's with us. So another area. So, what keeps us on track? What will keep us on track? Is, is conscience a good guide, would you say? No, because I, I can drive five over and, ah, forget that conscience, just kind of push it back a little bit. <clears throat> but I want to share something with you that is a good guide, and it's called integrity. Integrity. Integrity is something that's just, it's who you're made of, and it's, it's that godly character that doesn't care what others think. It's just steady and strong. Let me give you just a couple of verses. Well, first of all, integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. Honest, strong moral principles. That's what integrity is. Integrity will guide us in every choice we make. Because we've got strong moral principles. Remember that. Proverbs 11.3, the integrity of the upright will guide them. He will guide them. This integrity of the upright will give them direction. Proverbs, um, well, perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Proverbs 26.11, but as for me, I will walk in my integrity. Walk in my integrity. Tremendous preservation and power in integrity. Integrity will keep me from wrong choices. Psalm 25, 21, let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. I could go on and on about integrity. There's several other scriptures. Look them up sometime. Just take your little concords and look up the word integrity. I want to bring my remarks here to a close quickly. There's a, some questions there you can ask yourself. <clears throat> but in conclusion, what I've shared today may sound a little bit radical and old-fashioned. Who does it? I mean, doesn't everybody do it? I mean, everybody drives five over. I'm just using that for an example. But Or texting while we're, we're driving. I mean, everybody does it. But the point is, is that okay? 
Is that honoring God? Can I expect to pray to God for protection and Him to hear my prayer and bless me when I'm dishonoring Him? So I know it sounds old-fashioned and outdated in our culture, but was there anybody more radical than Jesus Christ? He was the most radical man that ever lived. Authentic, really. Radical means authentic. Doesn't just mean strange, it means authentic. So Mark shared with us earlier about the king is coming. Norm shared with us about having the preeminence of Christ. We know that, that, that time is, is coming to an end and that someday, as we've already heard, heard last night also, uh, this quoted by Dan, but we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may give account for the things which he has done in his body, whether they be good or bad. And I personally believe that some of these things like this, like dishonoring our civil authorities, or other authorities for that matter too, those may be some of the bad things that we'll face that Jesus will say, why was you dishonoring to me? Now I realize if it's something that's confessed and put under the blood, that's different. But I just wonder if that won't be some of the things some of that wood, hay, and stubble that Dan was talking about that will just be vaporized for the brother and the sister that honors God. That's gold, silver, precious stones. That's the things that the people around us don't do. That's what the other worldlings don't do. We want to honor him. May our highest aspiration be not what I can get by with, but what I can do to honor God. Again, closing, 1 Timothy 1.17. Remember this verse. It's a very short verse. Now unto the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be glory and honor forever. Amen. Isn't he worthy of all of our honor? All of our honor? Not just when it's convenient. Not just when it feels good. But all the time. God bless you as you honor the Lord. I believe that all of you want to. May God give you the grace to follow through.